is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. As a funding cliff looms at the end of this week for the enhanced unemployment benefits that millions of Americans have been relying on during the pandemic, we want to take a look at what's at stake from a public policy and economic perspective. Earlier this week, Senate Republicans proposed a new trillion-dollar legislative package that is set to include another round of $1,200 checks for Americans. But an extension of that $600 unemployment benefit doesn't look like it's part of the plan. So what does this mean for the approximately 30 million Americans who currently get that enhanced funding? Joining us to answer that question and to delve into some of the other big factors in this plan is someone who spends a lot of time thinking about public policy and America's economy. Betsy Stevenson is a former member of the President's Council on Economic Advisors and currently is an academic economist specializing in labor and public policy at the University of Michigan. Professor Stevenson, welcome to Detroit Today. Nice to talk with you. Yeah. So uh, earlier this week, as I said, Senate Republicans outlined their fourth phase of coronavirus response efforts. It, it includes the rollout of this legislative package, which has a variety of intended effects, one of which is to help Americans who are out of work due to the pandemic. How do you see this playing out in Washington at the moment, given that the current plan by Republicans is to reduce the boost to unemployment benefits? And Democrats are saying we need to keep that going, at least for now. So Republicans are concerned that people have the right incentives to go back to work when there's work to go back to. Um, but the challenge right now is that um, for tens of millions of people, there isn't work to go back to. Um, so I think Democrats are more worried that people can put food on the table, uh, while Republicans are worried uh, that um are worried that that you know people want to go back to their jobs you know the the challenge in the gop proposal is it's not just about not extending the benefits but what they want to do is is a very complicated system so um they're saying well they'll cut the 600 dollars payments to 200 dollars. that's going to require all the states to go through and reprogram their computer systems to reduce the 600 dollars payments to 200 dollars, and then they have two months to create a federal benefit that tops up their state benefit uh, up to 70% of a worker's previous earnings. So it would need to be a, a federal benefit that's calculated individually for each worker. So this isn't just about going into the system and changing the state's current rules at 50% up to 70%, but creating uh, a federal benefit that's paid for out of a different pot um, that is going to be equal to the difference between a 70% benefit and what the state's benefit would be. And then the other thing is most all states cap the amount of benefit you can get. In Michigan, I believe the, the most you can get as a weekly payment is $362. What Republicans want to do is propose that the maximum stimulus or the maximum additional payment you could get would be taking that total up to 500 So uh, an additional 138 from the federal government would be the maximum you could get. And uh, uh, so it would be up to 70 percent, but up to a maximum benefit of, of that 138 in Michigan. So a lot of people just think that's not quite enough uh, for people who won't be able to get back to work. Hmm. So I want to read a comment from 
Twitter, Jenna and Ham Tramek says that the federal minimum wage hasn't changed in over a decade. So it's wrong to blame people for getting money they need from unemployment. The problem is that wages are too low. It seems to me that this is kind of the elephant in the room during this argument in Washington, which is that there are a lot of people who make so little that this this unemployment boost does make them uh, you know better off not working than than going to work. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of discussion though about the long-term solution maybe being a raise in minimum wages or putting pressure on businesses uh, to pay people better on their own. Well, look, if businesses want to get people back and they're saying, look, this isn't financially worth it to me, then they can always offer them a raise. I think the challenge right now for workers' wages is the fact that you know there are 30 million people who are currently receiving unemployment insurance, and those are people who uh, don't have jobs, who used to have jobs. So, um, you know, is the pressure going to be there on employers to raise people's wages right now? Uh, probably not. What we need to be doing is putting pressure on employers to be able to hang on to their workers and, and take them back. Um, it, you know, is it, is this revealing the fact that we have a weak uh, safety net and we have a bunch of people who are at wages who earn wages that are so low that they're barely able to sustain their living. Therefore, going to 70% of our minimum wage is just not sustainable for people because our minimum wages are too low. I, I think that's absolutely right, but I'm not sure that going through and passing a, a higher minimum wage right now solves this stimulus check problem. I think um, you know, what we need to be doing is ensuring that our safety net's working for people and that when there's work to go back to, we're helping people get back to work. Mm. But the bottom line is we haven't defeated the virus. The jobs aren't all coming back uh, anytime soon, and a bunch of people are going to have to continue to stay home. We have states in the, you know, in the country where bars and restaurants still need to be shut, um, where lots of businesses need to be shut for safety reasons, and that's going to be true going into the fall. So it's not like businesses are clamoring to get workers back. Um, we're in a situation where we need to keep everybody afloat until we're able to really fully reopen the economy. What you're hearing a lot of Republicans say is, well, let's just take everybody's money away and then the economy will reopen. That's not true. What's mm. happening is people are staying home because COVID is a very contagious disease that makes people very sick with a high death rate. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what your experience has been with unemployment during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, are you or a loved one going to be affected by the $600 pandemic unemployment enhancement going away if it does this Friday? If you've been receiving it, have you been saving in preparation for this cutoff? Do you have faith that another plan will continue to extend the unemployment and unemployment benefits. Uh, give us a, an idea of how you're managing uh, all of this. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Corbin in Rochester. Corbin, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. Uh, I just want to mention, um, I was employed for COVID, uh, for about a year before COVID, due to just taking care of my father at home. 
um, I was unable to maintain a nine to five just due to the situation. And um, it was just more beneficial for the family for me to take care of him for that period of time. Since I've been receiving that benefit, I've been investing myself, uh, basically online classes mixed with uh, tools, whatnot, which has enabled me to get part-time work uh, in this current situation. Um, my my belief is that uh, there's a lot of focus on what people waste and what people frivolously spend on, but a lot of people do invest in themselves, and this is the first time I believe a lot of people have had this opportunity um, in their life. So I think it's potential for good, and it shows that everyone uh, deserves Corbin, I I really appreciate the call and and your sharing your perspective on that. Betsy Stevenson, react to what he's to what he's saying. Um, so he brings up uh, a lot of really uh, useful things for us to think about. Um, let me start with his his endpoint, which is you know he's been taking online classes, trying to reskill himself so that he's ready to reenter the the labor force and. And I do think this is a really good time for people to be doing that. You know, a lot of people are, you know, uh, think, well, maybe now's not the time for college or going back to school because everything's online. Uh, but actually, because you have to stay home, now's the perfect time. And we're going to see a lot of transformation in the economy. It, it's really important to realize that we're not going to have all the same old jobs coming back. Um, we're going to see really bit, pretty big uh, reallocations of the type of work that that arises and, you know, getting yourself skilled up um, and ready to enter a labor force that looks a little bit different um, in six months than it did, you know, six months ago, I think is really important. You know, he also mentioned having taken time out of work in order to care for an aging parent. And I think that that really highlights the, the challenges our labor market has in dealing with the fact that people need to take time for caregiving. Um, you know, sometimes that's about flexibility in your job. But, you know, he also mentioned not being able to hold down a nine-to-five job. Um, it's exactly in some research uh, that I've been working on recently, exactly what we see is that if people have more flexibility, they're able to hang on to their work. They're able to hang on to their jobs better when it comes to caring for an adult or even when it comes to caring for a child. So if we don't have that workplace flexibility, then what we have is people dropping out of the labor force. I'd like us to solve that problem. Um, and I, I don't know whether uh, Corbin would have been able to hold on to his job if he'd had that workplace flexibility, but many people say that they would have. Um, and then the second thing is that we, you know, all of us may at some point in our, our very long working lives, um, need to take some time out of the labor force to care for somebody, whether it's a child or uh, an adult that needs care. And what we need to do is make sure people have the ability to really re-enter the labor force without losing too much. Our labor for our our labor market is way too punishing for people who take a year out, six months out. There's just this sort of view attitude and view that you know you you're not committed or you've lost skills or lost touch. And it's just really unfortunate because if you think about, you know, the typical person maybe starts working at age, somewhere between age 18 and 22, and then you've got 50 years until the typical person might think about retiring in their late 60s or early 70s. 50 years is a really long time to have no breaks from work. And I think we need to sort of re-envision 
how we think about people taking time out of the labor force uh, for their family and then coming back. Hmm. So uh, United States National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow is saying that signs point to a V-shaped economic, economic recovery f- because of uh, after after COVID. Um, I wonder what you make of, of that assessment, given this debate. I mean, frankly, debate. it's yeah, the most ahead. ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, okay, we saw a bunch of people go back to work in the last, um, in the, the last employment report, but this wasn't a bunch of new hiring that was happening. This was that, uh, you know, we thought we had the virus under control in a bunch of states, and some people were able to go back to work. So we saw some of the temporary uh, layoffs get recalled, but we also saw the biggest growth in permanent job loss in June, from May to June, that we have seen so far yet in this, uh, in this downturn, in this recession. So we're seeing, we're seeing permanent job loss accelerate. Just last Thursday, the, the Labor Department revealed that the previous week, 1.4 million people had applied for the very first time for unemployment insurance. We'll see what number we get this week, tomorrow, I mean, for last week, tomorrow. But my guess is it's still going to be over a million. These numbers are bigger than any single week in the 2008 recession. Hmm. So what's happening right now is more people are being laid off than at any single week in the 2008 recession. So this is not a recovery period. This is a period of ongoing job loss. So to call this a V-shaped recovery and we're on the way up is just, it's not looking at the data. It's not thinking about where we are. And it's also not understanding that we haven't contained this virus. So we're nowhere near out of the woods yet. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to John in Romeo. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Uh-huh. Go ahead. So uh, I'm a manufacturer and uh, we have a sign out on the highway, Help Wanted. Um, it's been out every day since uh, I've moved to Romeo practically. I think the $600 is a disincentive for people going back to work. And any manufacturer that I know practically, regardless of the industry, looks like so, so, John, uh, before I have Professor Stevenson respond, tell me a little bit more about your your business. What kinds of people are you looking for? We do architectural woodwork. Okay. So I'm looking for shop help. I am looking for um, people to run CNC equipment. Um, I'm looking for office help. I'm looking for a variety of things. And and you're just not getting anyone taking you up on, on the offer? The only way we can get people is if we call an employment agency and go through an interview process, and they will put people in, and you pay for it. You pay hmm. dearly for it. Huh. Uh, John, I really appreciate the call and, and you're sharing that experience. Professor Stevenson respond to that is it is unemployment disincentivizing people from signing up for to to go to work at good jobs well you know you just said good jobs and i did wonder what his wages are um when uh you know he did complain about 
what he had to pay if he went through an employment agency. I wonder if he tried offering uh, those kinds of, of wages directly to workers, if he'd have a better better luck attracting people. Look, I have no doubt that there are people who are afraid to go back to work right now. They're afraid for a couple of reasons. Um, one, they are afraid themselves of contracting uh, COVID. That fear is not gone. And, uh, and so that is going to make it really hard him potentially to find people to work in an office um you know there are a lot of uh you know there's just a lot of people who don't feel that that's something they feel safe doing now the other thing is we talk a lot about this 600 dollars disincentive but it, look at michigan i mean i think michigan worked very hard to process unemployment insurance claims and to process as many of them as they could but even michigan was still processing claims filed in march months later claims filed in april months later I think the biggest disincentive for people is if, you know, they go and take his job, is it really going to be there for the next six months? Or are the, do they have the potential of taking that job, working at it for two or three, you know, working at it for two or three weeks, four weeks, and then perhaps there's another shutdown order and he lets them go. Or perhaps uh, he finds that there's not quite as much demand for his services as he thought, so he lets them go. And are they going to be able to get back on unemployment insurance? I think the biggest disincentive for people is that the system is really hard to get on and off of. Uh, it's certainly easy to get off of. It's not easy to get on. For people who spent hundreds of hours on the phone trying to get through, who uh, waited and waited for their claim to be processed, that's where I fear that there's a disincentive. You know, it's reasonable for people to fear, to be fearful that if they were to exit, that they might not be able to get back on, even if they you know, really legitimately lost their job and needed to go back on. Mm -hmm. Okay, Professor Betsy Stevenson at uh, the University of Michigan. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, it was great talking with you. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Michigan's economically, specifically with Professor Charles Ballard of Michigan State University. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers, uh, Matt and Pontiac, Gene in Detroit, we'll get to you as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You've heard us talking about WDET's financial situation. Here's an update from WDET General Manager, Mary Zatina. WDET is a friend you can count on during this time of constant change and social isolation. WDET is a reliable source of fact-based news during this unprecedented and unpredictable time. When the nation is divided, you can count on WDET to provide you with facts that let you form your own opinions. Our music hosts and culture reporters help you escape the madness with great tunes, conversations, and virtual events. WDET is a nonprofit organization and depends on support from listeners like you. Now is the time to become a member of Team DET. Give now at WDET.org. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We're talking this hour about unemployment benefits and the debate in Washington over whether to extend the boost 
to unemployment benefits that has been in place during the coronavirus pandemic. Joining us now to talk more specifically about what is going on in Michigan and with regard to the economy is Charles Ballard. He's a professor of economics at Michigan State University. Charles, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks very much for having me. So let's start here. Uh, There are big disparities throughout the state. The Flint area, Genesee County, was hit the hardest with an unemployment rate of 30% in April. Uh, Metro Detroit went from 4.6% in March to a peak of 23.2% in May. I want you to catch us up to today, almost the beginning of August. Where are we now and are we headed back toward a little more stability? Yeah, in uh, in May and June, certainly we and, and much of the rest of the country uh, headed back in the right direction, but still fell far, uh, far from where we'd like to be. Uh, the official Michigan unemployment rate in uh, in June was fourteen point eight percent. It's a couple of percentage points higher than the national average, but the national average was still in the double digits, which uh, is uh, which we hadn't at a level we hadn't seen for the the entire country since the Great Depression. So, still in pretty uh, bad shape, even after some job gains in um, in May and June. But I, I have to say, uh, and this is just for your listeners, but also for people like me who are trying to follow the data. Um, the June jobs report was based on data collected in the middle of the month of June. Well, that's now six weeks ago. Mm. And, um, you know, where are we now exactly? I think we're probably still in double-digit employment, unemployment, but um, we won't know until next Friday, not this Friday, but the first Friday in August. That's when we'll get the July jobs report. That'll give us a little bit better picture. But things have been moving so fast during these last five months that it's hard to know exactly where we are. Hmm. So blue-collar industries, manufacturing, those are the backbone of Michigan's economy, and they both took uh, huge hits because of the coronavirus pandemic. Are those industries doing better now? They have made some progress back. In fact, just about every industry has uh, did better in May and June than they did in April, which was, I mean, let's face it, April 2020 was the worst single month in the history of the United States economy. Mm. Um, and then we clawed back a little bit. Um, the the sector that did the worst was leisure and hospitality. Um, restaurants, bars, casinos, hotels, uh, anything to do with travel, the airline industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, those suffered enormous losses in March and, and April and then made some gains back in May and June. Another one that really was hard hit was retail trade and a similar story. Big losses in April, some gains back, but not all the way to where they were. And ironically, of course, uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, struck me as the most surprising was in the midst of a pandemic, we had huge layoffs in the healthcare sector, because while some of our emergency rooms were stretched to or beyond their capacity, ordinary elective surgeries, ordinary well baby visits, doctor visits, and all that kind of stuff were and v- visits to the dentist were greatly reduced. Hmm. 
again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what your experience has been with regard to unemployment and unemployment benefits, the boost that has attended those benefits since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Also, give us an idea of what would happen if those benefits aren't extended past this Friday. Republicans in Congress would like to cut those benefits to $200 instead of $600. Democrats say we still need to stick by that $600 number, at least for now. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Aaron in Jefferson Chalmers. Aaron, welcome to... Good morning, Stephen. Yeah, go ahead. I hope this crisis sparks a conversation about the abysmally low unemployment benefits in the state of Michigan. I was unemployed a few years ago through no fault of my own, just as unemployed as people who were laid off because of COVID-19. I received the state maximum for people without dependents, which was around 350 a week. I'm wondering why Michigan's unemployment conversation is so low. Hmm. Uh, great question, Aaron. Uh, Charlie Ballard, uh, address that. Well, the the unemployment um, insurance system uh, was developed in the 1930s, and uh, like like many other parts of our social safety net in the U.S., uh, such as Medicaid, it was a federal-state uh, partnership, and there is wide variation from state to state. Um, it probably doesn't give Aaron much solace to know that Michigan is actually has higher unemployment benefits than many other states, but you know, let's face it, uh, three fifty a week is uh, not a very high uh, amount of money, and um, uh, you know there are there are discussions I think um, that we will be having for the next few years about because this this COVID epidemic has really shined a spotlight on the gaps in our safety net in the United States, and some of those gaps are just enormous. Uh, you've had uh, Millions of people lose their health insurance because they lost a job because of the way that our insurance system often ties health insurance to employment. Um, so that's a glaring gap in our social safety net. And then the uh, inadequacy of the unemployment insurance benefits is another one. And I think we're going to have we're going to have to have some serious discussions, as Aaron suggests, uh, about um, what to do about that. Of course. Uh, there will be a, a, a opposition. Uh, there's just no question about it. There are plenty of, there's a large fraction of our political system that is opposed to making the social safety net more generous than it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Aaron, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Gary and Allen Park. Gary, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Stephen. I think what we need to really look at and this is part of the problem with the whole idea of this being a disincentive is that it takes a society, you know, societal, economic, economy, political economy problem and looks at it as if some individual solutions are most important. We don't address this. We are going to go into a Great Depression. And, you know, knocking off $400 per week for people who are most vulnerable in the midst of this pandemic is going to just depress aggregate demand Mm. 
to the extent that we are going to end up having a deflationary depression of the magnitude of the Great Depression. Mm. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll take the comments off the air. Thank you. Yeah, Gary, I appreciate the call and the comments. How close are we to that kind of scale of calamity that Gary is talking about? Well, uh, as I said earlier, uh, the, the nation had not had double-digit um, unemployment or, or above 10% um, since the Great Depression. So it, it, viewed in one way, we are now in a situation that's more like the Great Depression than anything that we've had in the previous eight years. Um, on the other hand, at least we're much more affluent now than we were then. Remember that in the late 20s and early 30s, millions of Americans did not have electricity, didn't have indoor plumbing, didn't have a telephone. So at least we're better off in some sense. But this is, this is a huge economic downturn. Uh, there's just no question about it. Now, to his um, question about what will happen uh, if, if you take away those, those dollars. Yeah. Um, it, it, certainly, for, for a lot of people, that will uh, really put a crimp on what they're able to spend because there are a lot of those folks who are getting that $600 a week who don't have much saving. Mm -hmm. They don't have a spouse who still has a job or a partner who still has a job. And if you're kind of on your own and you've got no, no backup, you take away those $400 a week, as the Senate Republicans are suggesting, uh, then what does that mean? Does that mean that you can't pay your rent and you're in danger of being evicted? Does it mean you don't pay your electricity? I mean, very difficult situation. Yeah. Okay, Charles Ballard, professor of economics at Michigan State University. Always great to catch up with you. Thank you very much for being here with us. Thank you, Stephen. That is going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow for a book club conversation with author, activist, preacher, teacher, and pastor Jim Wallace about his book, America's Original Sin. Plus, we will talk with Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib about her re-election campaign. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.